Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Forecast Fest. I'm Kate Baldwin here with John Avalon. Hola. Oh, that was a good one. So bring it, brother. And Harry Anton. Shalom, my friends. Shalom. Your vibrato is getting better, I will say. <laughs> Thank you. Tuesday was the biggest day of the 2020 Democratic primary so far. I feel like we've said this a lot for various days of the week, but this time we mean it. Mm. Voters <laughs> in 14 states and American Samoa dramatically shifted the field of candidates American to Samoa. what you two stop it. It changed everything. I'm just going to sum it, it up. Okay, it did. it's now Biden versus Sanders. It wasn't American Samoa, though. It wasn't. That was Bloomberg's to win, and he took it. And then you have Elizabeth Warren and Mike Bloomberg facing disappointing finishes on Super Tuesday. Both now have dropped out. We are going to discuss the impact of Warren and Bloomberg dropping out and their endorsements and their, well, at least one of them, their bank account and what impact they can have still on the race going forward. First, let us start by recapping the results from Super Tuesday. Some results are still coming in, but there is a lot of information that we know. As things stand, I say with the caveat of this recording, on Thursday afternoon, CNN projects that Joe Biden will win 10 states, including Alabama, Arkansas, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia. Phew, I did in one breath. Bernie Sanders will, Bernie Sanders so far has won three states Colorado, Utah, and Vermont. California still still too close to call. Still too close to call. Took a month last time to call California. Should we do the delegate count, friends? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, so here is where things stand at this moment. I mean the very second that I'm speaking in terms of the delegate allocation. Joe Biden is in the lead with 509 delegates, and Bernie Sanders is, I mean, I was going to say close behind because California's still out there. He has 449 delegates. Everybody else, don't worry about it. So. <laughs> don't worry, you're pretty little. Gabbard has one, and she is still in the race. Gabbard is one. She is got still that one from American Samoa. Correct. Moving on. So um, (laughs) Joe Biden, he did it. He is the new comeback kid, my friends. Where should we begin? Look, I just what we witnessed in the 72 hours between South Carolina on Saturday and Super Tuesday is one for the record books. Seriously. This is this is the kind of turnaround that we have never seen. Biden had been written out. People were calling him for him to be out. We had a president who seemed to have scuttled his candidacy even while getting impeached in the process. Biden couldn't raise money. He had no money and no organization in a lot of these states. And he still came back off the strength of South Carolina, won 10 states, including states that Bernie's people and Elizabeth Warren's people thought they were going to win. He won Massachusetts. He won Maine. He won Maine with Elizabeth Warren coming in third in her home state, having never made a trip there. And having no organization there, it, it says 
a lot about momentum. It says a lot about a party focused on stopping Bernie Sanders from being the nominee because they felt he would lose. And the fact that Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg had the discipline to drop out and immediately endorse him, which is exactly what Republicans didn't do when they saw Donald Trump rising. It is. But just I want to hear your point, except I want to hear my voice first, which is (laughs) only to say since South Carolina, Joe Biden picked up the endorsements of four of his former rivals. Then that was since Sunday. It was remarkable. I'll say a few things. Number one, the Republican Party in 2016 suffered from a lack of ability to coordinate behind a candidacy to defeat Donald Trump. It looked like the Democrats were going down that same road again. And what occurred was in South Carolina, you saw Jim Clyburn get behind Biden. Biden was leading before that, but it certainly pumped up the margin. Biden wins decisively by nearly 30 points in South Carolina. And whatever happened right then and there, there was almost like a light bulb went off and the party coordinated. The voters got the message and the result was what you saw. It's like Jim Clyburn like smacked everybody across the face of the Democratic Party. James Carville said Jim Clyburn saved the Republic as well as the Democratic (laughs) Party. I I think it's just remarkable. You know, you list off those states, right? Mm -hmm. And there was someone that I had heard prior to the results coming in saying that Joe Biden was a regional candidate. Mm -hmm. That was he could only win in the South. He could only win where there were large pockets of African-Americans. I don't know if you've ever been to Maine. (laughs) Not in the South. Not in the South. There are not a lot of black folks in Maine. There are not a lot of black folks in Minnesota outside of Minneapolis. There are not a lot of black folks in Massachusetts. He won in places. He won in he won in places. <laughs> John and I are disagreeing about the African-American population in Massachusetts, which is because you're wrong about it. It's not. If you look it up, it's less than 10 percent normally in a Democratic primary. So it's not particularly large. It's, there are Let places the man outside finish of Boston. his thought, Patrick Avalon. Right now, that's all. Let the man finish Go his on. thought. The point is that when you look at that map, it's the map of someone, if it holds, that's very dominant the rest of this contest. And I think that is just so key going forward. It's not just about Super Tuesday. It's the pathway forward. And and, and, and another point, too, I, uh, I because we're all political nerds here, which is why we're here talking and why you're presumably listening in the podcast, um, you know, Sanders won Vermont. Not surprising. But by 50 percent, not 86 percent like he had four years before. He wins Utah. Okay, Western, bit of an outlier. Colorado was surprising. A big margin. So that got me wondering. That's such an outlier to the evening. We don't know California yet. That is the biggest prize. Well, can we also say, isn't this the first time that Colorado did a primary? In 20 years. So I called up the uh, Colorado Secretary of State's office because I wanted to get some data. Turns out 75% of their ballots came in before election day. Oh, fascinating. So that's that accounts for the whole deal. There is none of the reflection of the Biden bump from South Carolina in that. That is really interesting. Yeah. Kate has an, a nice graphic that is right next to her right now. Well, that's a delicious looking graphic. Um, it's tasty more. That I believe was originally my graphic, which then other folks took on other programs. The point being, it wasn't a genius idea by me. If you look... <laughs> She's presenting it like Vanna White right now. If you look at the <laughs> people who – oh, my so God. seriously. If you – if you you have to see it, folks. If you look at those folks across the By that, the he means Vanna White, obviously. That's right. Uh, <laughs> who decided their vote in the final few days, the median across all the Super Tuesday states, Biden won by about 30 percentage points. Those who decided before that, he lost to Sanders. 
And you see this in state after state after state, right? In Texas, if you were watching on election night, right, what you saw was Sanders jump out to a fairly decent sized lead, plus five plus percentage points. Right now, Biden is actually ahead by about five percentage points in the latest count. Look at North Carolina. Biden was leading in the early count, but only by about five. He ends up winning by nearly 20 points. This was the big difference. The people who decided in their last days who saw South Carolina, huge bump for Biden and therefore the 10 states that Biden won. Can I also argue, use the the late deciders argument to also, doesn't that also mean there is a real lesson here on how much you spend on ads actually gets you? Because Joe Biden didn't have money to spend on a lot of this stuff, I, on a lot of these states. And there wasn't like a flood of ads in the last three days mm-hmm. got him a lot of votes because he didn't have them up. He didn't have the ads up. I think there are two lessons. Number one, momentum obviously matters in primaries. And you ha- there was this That's whole— cliches are cliches. But, but, but you know, there, what, what's so interesting is that people were saying, oh, if he wins South Carolina, there's not enough time in between South Carolina and Super Tuesday. Well, apparently there was. Yeah, it's so true. But, but only because Buttigieg and Klobuchar immediately yes. dropped out and endorsed him. Normally, you, normally you don't have Super Tuesday that close to South Carolina. I have some experience with firewalls that occur after New Hampshire and Iowa. <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't work too well. Momentum does matter. I think the fact that Biden had massive name ID as the former VP, I think the fact that he still seemed like the candidate who could bring together the biggest coalition Mm -hmm. uh, in the center, broadly speaking, contra Sanders, helped enormously. Um, I don't know how applicable this is, but my God, everyone was calling him out. And also, I think we got to recognize, even with all the monumental screw-ups of this primary with Iowa not being decided, I think we're going to see that that doesn't happen again. I think they basically DQ'd themselves from the, the same playbook being run. But this really broke every precedent. I don't think people can underestimate. This is much bigger than John McCain's turnaround from almost being so, cashless. And there are so many numbers and there's so much data that comes out of the Super Tuesday states. If the most important number coming out of Super Tuesday is the, is the late deciding numbers, if you say that, what does that mean for... Forget Super Tuesday. Looking ahead at the next Super, Super Tuesday, Tuesday and the too. Super Tuesday after that. I mean, what? Yeah, the next two Tuesdays are big deals. People. They are. I mean, we've got a lot of important states going forward. We've got. Does does African American vote become yet again the most important driving force for Joe Biden? You've got states like Michigan, like Mississippi, but you also have states like Idaho, North Dakota. Washington state. So I think, you know, I basically have this map here that at the Super Tuesday conditions held, you know, I looked at the polling in the past. I look at the demographics of the past. And basically you have Washington and Idaho, which are states that I would favor Bernie Sanders in at this particular point. Those are two states that are voting later in March. The following states I think that Biden would be favored in Arizona, North Dakota, Missouri, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Mississippi, Georgia and Florida. Why? Can you quickly sum up why? First off, large pockets of African-Americans, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Illinois, Michigan. Also, take a look at the fact that Biden won by the by the margins that he did in Minnesota, in Massachusetts, despite the fact, you know, that there were some there was Michael Bloomberg still on the ballot, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. And you just sort of see that even in, like I say, in North Dakota, which I think is more toss uppery, if I were basically to give it a designation. Sure. There are not a lot of delegates there. 
There are tons of delegates in Georgia. There are tons of delegates in Florida. There was a poll that I saw that saw showed that Biden was gaining gained 25 points between before Super Tuesday in South Carolina and afterwards. Unbelievable. Let, let me just throw in a couple X factors. Look, I think Michigan next Tuesday is the biggest prize of that particular crop. Why? Because that's where Bernie Sanders shocked the world by beating Hillary Clinton. No polls had showed it last time around. It's a must-win state. A lot of Sanders' electability arguments have to do with comparative strength in Michigan. So that's really one to watch. Washington State, however, you only vote by mail in Washington State. So how many folks voted before South Carolina? That's an X factor. Arizona. One thing you got to say, Biden crushing it with African-American voters. Bernie Sanders doing very well with Latino voters. That breach is going to need to be healed. Will that impact a state like Arizona? Let's try. Let's talk. Let's focus in a little bit more on Bernie Sanders, though, because yeah. he mm-hmm. has argued part of his appeal, he says, is that he can build the biggest coalition of voters that the world has ever seen. And also that when turnout is high, he wins. Right. On Tuesday, neither of those things really seem to bear out. Turnout was up over 16 and it didn't help him out. Biden, it, it, it favored Biden in important places like in the suburbs of Virginia and North Carolina and Texas. So what now? That's a question. What now? I, I think I, I don't really know. I think the answer is something needs to shift. But the fundamental argument of the Bernie Sanders candidacy doesn't seem to be holding on. And you mentioned Michigan, right? Yep. You mentioned Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of that great state, endorsed Biden this morning. I mean, I think she's a pretty good politician. She ain't endorsing Joe Biden because she expects that Biden is going to lose that particular state. And you sort of go, what now? And you sort of say, well, look at Minnesota. Look at Maine. Look at Massachusetts. You know what Michigan is? It's basically Minnesota plus plenty more African-American voters in it. And you go, what? Yeah, look, I mean, again, Bernie Sanders, though, shocked Hillary Clinton there last time around. Um, it, which is why, you know, there's an expectation that he will do well there. If he doesn't, he's going to have a real hard argument. Florida, by the way, you know, the, the initial polling not looking real good for Sanders because he hasn't done himself a lot of favors with Florida voters, particularly the Hispanic population there. In his I had Donna Shalala on today and she doesn't make it a secret at all no. what she, how angry she is no. at, at, at Bernie Sanders over his comments. But but the turnout point's really important. Um, you know, voters under 30 uh, Bernie Sanders did very well with, but they were a very small percent of the overall electorate. Over 40 voters over 45 made two thirds mm-hmm. of the overall voters. But turnout was up dramatically in states that uh, Joe Biden won. I mean, Virginia was almost two to one. But Texas was 500,000 votes higher than it was four years before, where there was increased turnout were states that Biden won. So I think Bernie Sanders' electability argument has been really hobbled. There is probably a ceiling. He wins the very liberal cohort time and time again. But the somewhat liberal, moderate, and conservative Democratic cohort went decisively for Biden. And that's 60 to 70 percent of the electorate just in those middle two cohorts. Let's play a little bit of what Bernie Sanders said uh, after Tuesday night, because it perhaps gives a little bit of strategy, at least what he's thinking in terms of his strategy going forward. But if it comes out to be a campaign in which we have one candidate who is standing up for the working class and the middle class, we're going to win that election. And if we have another candidate 
who has received contributions from at least 60 billionaires. We're going to win that election. He also hits Joe Biden on his support over the war in Iraq. That's not new. And supporting cuts to Social Security. These are familiar lines from Bernie Sanders. But what are they seeing that makes them think this is going to be effective against Joe Biden? Now, Joe Biden had no money. Forget the 60 billionaires that are that that, mm-hmm. that Bernie Sanders is talking We're about. We're still there. capped out in their direct donations to what everyone else is capped out at, <laughs> that's by the way. Exactly true. I just I, I, I'm very interested that that's where Bernie Sanders is just going to sit. I, I, I think to be honest with you, I, I, I'm sort of I, I can't get the words out because I'm not sure what else he's supposed to do. What what else? What other sort of thing he well, does? You can, well, he you doesn't can all, do anything. Well, you can also hand it to Bernie Sanders. That's one thing a lot of people like about him is he's been saying the same thing for forty years. Yes. yes. So and, and yeah, and so he doubles down that my opponents are corporatists in the establishment. The problem is if you look at Joe Biden's candidate uh, coalition that he pulled together on Super Tuesday, you cannot credibly call it establishment with a straight face. Um, you know, I think a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters should should take a deep breath and think about why Elizabeth Warren isn't doing what what Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg did, why she's not withdrawing from the race and immediately endorsing her fellow progressive as everybody on Twitter, uh, you know, was was calling for. By the way, another thing what the exit poll showed uh, at CNN is that just a reminder, Twitter is not real life, folks. I mean, 82 percent of voters in Texas said they were not regular users of Twitter. So we, we over index these day. loud voices. We need to say that every Big day. time. I will say there's one pivot that that uh, that um, that Sanders has made, and that's putting out an ad that selectively edits Barack Obama uh, to praise him and make it look like they were best friends and allies. That's a recognition that his running against uh, and railing against the Obama-Biden record hasn't been helping with Democratic voters, particularly with African-American voters. But it's also one of those things is like you really think that people are going to be like, oh, Obama liked you more than he liked his vice president. I mean, he's, look, he's trying to make the case that at least it wasn't true tonight. It's true. Right. He liked me, too. But, yeah. but okay. he called for Obama to be primaried because he said Obama wasn't far left enough. But he liked me, too. But he liked me, too. Yeah, he said nice things. He, occasionally. Nice things. I mean, so Bloomberg nice. did the same thing, right, where he sure. tried to hug and it seemed to perhaps work. So I get it. You know, it, that's not a bad play. But I will say this. You got to expand outside of young progressives and Latinos. Because Can the, he depend on Latinos? There are not that many states left that have the types of Latino voters, the Western Latinos, that have a lot of delegates left in them, right? I mean, the Latinos in Florida are very different than the Latinos in California, Such in an Nevada. Yes. And you even saw that to a degree in Texas, right? He won Latinos there, but he only won them by 13 points at the last time I looked at an exit poll, which was so different than what happened in California and Nevada. And the fact and didn't is, Biden's margin with like older voters did right which, completely step over that exactly, and so this is I think the key thing you have to think about going forward is that a lot of Bernie Sanders' best groups, their most powerful voices in the primary have already voted. Like California has already voted, and now you're going to start going to places that look a lot more like the states that Joe Biden won, and that it's it's siren time. At Sanders headquarters, it's not over. We've seen so many things change in this primary, but something fundamentally needs to change and something needs to change fast. Otherwise, we're all going to start getting a lot more sleep. And Bernie Sanders 
believes in revolution, but he does not believe in personal evolution when it comes to his policies and appeals. (laughs) That's a nice bumper sticker. You're welcome. I don't think he's going to use it. Okay, (laughs) let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the candidates who did not do so well this week, the dropouts and the endorsements and what that could mean. Harry went and washed his hands. He sang happy birthday two times. Who did you sing happy birthday to? I sang happy birthday to my dear friends, Ronald and Ronaldinha. I um, can't. They are friends of mine in my head. Thank yeah. you. Okay. These are things that Harry thinks about. Yeah. Ronnie. Ronnie. Why? Donnie. Right. But why does Connie, the, long, the, the real name for Connie, not Conald? Yes. Why? And why is there no Ronaldinha? There might be. Why do you think there isn't? No, I Googled it. It's If there is, there's always just a few folks. Just yeah. a few folks. But You the, should reach out to them and say you think about them a lot. I though. do think about or, them. Or you don't think they exist. <laughs> yeah. You're questioning their existence. It. Hi, this is Harry Anton. You a Russian bot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Those are things Harry thinks about in between looking at data. So let's dive into some real data. People dropped out, friends, in the last week. It is okay if you don't know who is still in the race because things change so much. So you've got Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Mike Bloomberg, all quitting the Democratic race and endorsing Joe Biden. Then you have Elizabeth Warren. She has quit the race and she doesn't know what she's going to do yet or at Mm. least is not going to announce it quite yet. Where do we begin? Let's begin with the breaking news, Elizabeth Warren. Why not endorse? John Avalon feels very strongly that the fact that she hasn't endorsed already is a, already is a message. I, Absolutely. I, yeah. Go I Absolutely. don't think so. No. It, look, we, we have the precedent in this cycle that Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg dropped out and endorsed the same day to rally around Joe Biden. And it was because they wanted the set to strengthen the center lane. Warren has been associated with the progressive wing of the party. Now, I think she probably thinks of herself as being somewhere between she Biden does. and Sanders. But that itself, and a lot she of she has been embracing uniting the absolutely. party absolutely campaign, and and so that's an argument for why she doesn't get in and endorse. But her supporters desperately want her to do the equivalent of what Klobuchar and Buttigieg did with Sanders to unite the progressive wing. The fact that she is decidedly not doing that speaks volumes. And it may not be about policy differences. It may be about an unspoken understanding that maybe Bernie Sanders isn't the best nominee or the best wouldn't be the best president. Because if you thought that he would be the best nominee and the best president, and you're Elizabeth Warren, you would endorse him right now. You don't think a woman can be president? Bernie Sanders, I don't think a Democratic Socialist could be president. Oh, Bernie sorry. Sanders. I'm playing Elizabeth Warren. I, I didn't get the accent at yeah, first. Yeah, you but... looked really concerned like I was like yelling at you for a second. <laughs> okay, as But always. Harry, do you disagree on the Elizabeth? Because the easiest thing in the world to do is go endorse. Her supporters got to be asking themselves why. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. If leverage, you, people. I, leverage. Leverage, I think, is a large thing. The other thing I'll point out is, look, we have the exit poll right here in the median Super Tuesday state. Elizabeth Warren's best ideological group was very liberal. She won 19 percent of them. Bernie Sanders crushed that lane with 49 percent. But if you look demographically, right, her best group was white women with college degrees. She won 25 percent of that group. And you know who did best in that group was Joe Biden at 32 percent. Bernie Sanders actually finished behind Warren with just 20 percent. Can't you read that two ways? You could read that two ways. Bernie Sanders could sure use my help with my 25. 
But I think it's also the fact that demographically there is a real wall that Bernie Sanders is up against. White women with mm-hmm. college degrees was one of Hillary Clinton's best groups. They do. They remember what happened with Hillary Clinton four years ago. And more than that, I think that after the last sort of month and the way that Elizabeth Warren supporters have been treated by Bernie Sanders, a lot of Bernie Sanders yes. supporters, they said some very not nice things in a way that was not the case with Joe Biden and Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg and Mike Bloomberg. It's just a very different ballgame. It was much more nasty. That's such an important point. Um, I also want to, we, we need to address this. Warren looked like she could very well be the nominee in the late summer and early fall. She ran an incredibly energetic, policy-driven campaign. Um, she, in some ways, ran the best campaign in terms of energy and ideas of anyone in the field. The fact that she had a failure to convert and the fact that she came in third in Massachusetts is kind of stunning and a little bit perplexing. She's never been massively popular in Massachusetts, but she's also won every race she's had. Harry, is there any precedent for a candidate coming in third in their home state? I mean, certainly not of the type of candidate that Elizabeth Warren was at this point. I mean, Marco Ruby obviously lost Florida and got out, but he, I believe, came in second place. Yeah. And I think that this speaks to something that has long been the case with Warren, which you were hinting at, which is that her margins in her home state almost always underperform the Democratic baseline, not by single digits, but by double digits. And I think that that was an issue that popped itself up and Joe Biden rode a wave of momentum and easily captured mass. I want to ask you guys about Bloomberg. Um, Bloomberg got into the race betting that Joe Biden was collapsing. Yeah. That right? was a, it's not a bad bet. It just that was, but that was the, if there was one single driver of it. That was driving his decision and why he went back on what was already his firm decision was, I don't see a path for myself. Then he saw a path for himself. He bet wrong. Where did he bet wrong, though? Look, only Bloomberg was in a position in the fall to say, you know what, I'm going to get in. A lot of folks had buyer's remorse. Deval Patrick did get in, by the way. But a lot of folks in the center lane had been boxed out by what they saw as Biden's huge name ID and his his organizational uh, ability early, early on. Um, people didn't get in who thought about getting in, Terry McAuliffe right. you know, being one of them, but, but many, many others. When you started to see Biden take on real water in the fall, and it looked like the nominee could be Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, if you're a centrist Democrat, you say, danger Will Robinson. And this election's a little bit different because you might also say danger to the Republic, not just the Democratic Party. Only Bloomberg could jumpstart a national campaign. And he went in with both feet with a very bold strategy, said, you know what? Momentum in the earliest states don't matter. He was right until South Carolina, apparently. And I'm going to spend an unbelievable amount of money. But more than that, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to run ads. I'm going to run ads that are targeted at Trump. And even if I don't win, I'm going to say I'm going to stay in and support the Democratic Party to defeat Donald Trump. So I think the Democratic Party is better for him having run. I think it's in better shape. I think we're going to continue to see the impact of Bloomberg's support. And for all the folks on the far left who hate Mike Bloomberg solely because he was a billionaire, take a look at what he spent his money on. Mm -hmm. You know, he has spent his money on the environment and guns and issues and public health, um, issues that really Democrats really like. So I think a lot of the hatred directed at Bloomberg, which Warren was the voice of on stage, was really misplaced. I think it ended up benefiting Biden. Right. But I think the Democratic Party is better for Mike Bloomberg having gotten in this race. I got to read you a line from Mark McKinnon, a campaign strategist, uh, on, on, yeah, on, um, on the operation that, that Bloomberg's campaign built. He told me, he says, 
They have like a Ferrari in the garage with the best mechanics in the world and have been tuning this sucker up. The problem is Mike Bloomberg drove it out into a fire hydrant. But then they still have the Ferrari, so they still have the operation. <laughs> they could still use it for someone other than Bloomberg. Yeah, and I thought and that that's was what's going to happen. Yeah, there, there is that. Harry, Harry? I, I would just say this: that Bloomberg ran the best campaign he could, but I think we learned the limits of paid media. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and we learned the strength that Biden rode on free media, and that I think for Bloomberg, at least initially, we sort of had this relationship where folks in the in the media, saw the paid bean and said, oh, wow. And you had this and it sort of drove Bloomberg up. Then you had the debate where he, let's just be frank, performed horribly. It drove mm-hmm. the free media down. Biden was able to take advantage of South Carolina. And there we are. But I, I, I think that the question as to whether or not you can skip the first four states I don't know if we necessarily have the answer to if you can or can't. I, I still feel like it's outstanding. I still feel like we have it has not been decided. No, well, we we know that you can lose the first three, <laughs> and, and then raise it. And we also know almost certainly we're not going to have the same uh, process we've had in years past going forward. On that, that is a wrap for us today, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, you can leave us a comment. You can always find us on Twitter. In the meantime, even though apparently 80% of people in Texas don't use Twitter, I'm at Kate Baldwin. (laughs) At John Avalon. Oh, yeah, me. I mean, seriously. Uh, Well, it says, I want to read this to you, folks. It says, in the script, Harry. So I was waiting for my intro. Mary, where in the rest of the script have we ever followed it? That's the best part of this podcast is there is a script and I tear it up every day. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were going rogue. Uh, I'm at Forecaster Enton on your Twitter and Instagram dial. A special thanks to our team behind the scenes, Lauren Moore, Raj Makija, Zach St. Louis, and David Toledo. We'll see you next time on The Forecast Fest. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.